When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. Let's get it going. Welcome to Unleashed. And you know, all is right in the world because Tom Brady is back in camp. So there was some speculation. (laughs) Tom Brady was on the Masked Singer. Do you buy that one at all? I love that conspiracy theory. You know, in the past, I wouldn't have bought it, but I don't know. He's so, he's, you know, he's like a social media guy now. He's got all this. I, I do kind of buy it, although that would be bad for the mass singer if that secret got out. Be good for them if he actually was on the show. I'm kind of buying that, although oh, that's a tough reason to miss camp. I, I, I liked it better when he was just paid leave. I'm going on vacation. I don't like it as much if he was like, oh, I took 10 days off to go on the masked singer. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I, the whole thing's just shady. I wish he would just say what it is because the team said it was pre-planned that Tom Brady was going to miss 11 days of practice. But I'm not buying the vacation story. Which NFL player, even if you are Tom Brady, decides to take a vacation in August? You just you don't do that. But the craziest Tom Brady news that broke even after that is when Dana White, did you see this? I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders and it was almost a done deal and at the last minute Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him and whoa all whoa. hell broke loose man it, it was crazy and 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 Brady was already looking at houses and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming so Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl except Gruden blew the deal up the whole thing's so shady, but Gronk confirmed it. it. It confirmed it. And what I want to know is that was one of the best kept secrets in all of the NFL because, you know, yeah. I, no one in the media reported that ever. I know like the Raiders yeah. at one point, I think were definitely listed as a team before he went to Tampa. 
So cheers, I guess, to all the insiders at the Raiders and Brady's camp, because that yeah. never got leaked to, to my knowledge. And then I love Dana White just exposing it all casually. I watched that clip a hundred times. I couldn't believe like, well, ah, that's the guy I think I want to go to dinner with because I feel like he'll tell you everything because he just doesn't care. Oh, oh, that's a great. OK, let's let's play this game. You can pick three people in pro sports, let's say. You can sit and have a drink with, go to dinner with. Dana White's one of yours. Give me two others. Dana White for sure. Like yeah, because like I said, I feel like Dana White will just tell you stuff because I think his filter, I think yeah. he's in that like, I don't really care territory. What you think if I break secrets? <laughs> Another one, you know, I would have said Jeter up until the captain came out. Now I feel like I know too much. I'm going to tee it up. You know what? I, I kind of want to maybe Manti Teo because I want to talk more about uh, what, what we're seeing mm. on Netflix. And then... uh it's so good. Yeah. And then, I mean, selfishly, my favorite boxer of all time, he's no longer here. I would have picked, because we didn't say alive or dead, I would have picked Arturo Gatti, one of my favorite fighters okay. of all time. And I would have loved to have gotten some stories from him. Okay. I'm going to throw one other name in the ring. How about Antonio Brown? We talked a lot about him last week, but wouldn't he be a good dinner date? <laughs> I think so. You definitely would be entertained, you know, but I, yeah, I think Dana White oh, is, yeah. is definitely on my, is my number one right now. Just cause man, what a bomb he dropped casually. Crazy, crazy. No, that was good. You mentioned the Manti Teo doc. It is so good. I was texting you this weekend. You've got to watch it. Cause I, I, I was flabbergasted watching how it played out. And I've got a couple issues with the doc, but I want to save that for our Unleashed segment that's coming up. But, you know, we've got a really good guest this week. Are you excited for this one? Oh, yeah. No, I'm ready. We, it's because we're really going to start digging into the football. So I'm ready. Yeah. And this is the guy you want to talk to. It's Andrew Brandt. He's seen it all. Uh, he's a Sports Illustrated writer, former Green Bay Packers exec, NFL business analyst. It's going to be great to pick his brain leading up to the season, especially with stuff that have to do with salary cap and contracts and free agents still and Boy, we got a lot to get with him on that. But I'm just glad that you're sitting in your seat. I'm the one who's racing here after my baby's doctor appointment, but you were the one with the busier weekend. Tell me about the charity golf tournament. Tell me all about that. Who'd you see there? Yeah, I'm paying for it today because, you know, weekend away golfing. Uh, my wife's like, uh, all right, yeah. there's two kids now with your name on it, ready, yeah. for, waiting for you. <laughs> you can't be hungover with kids. I've learned that. Oh yeah. It was, it was in Detroit. It was the JRLA, the Jalen Rose leadership Academy. You know, he built the school literally like he's accomplished so much in his playing career and his post playing career. And this is arguably one of his greatest accomplishments. So I got invited through an old friend, fellow Nick fan, Ben Lyons and Olivia, I feel like I failed you. I feel like I failed you on something because, Why? you know, we're doing this show and like, and you know, you're, you're a real journalist and I'm trying to keep up. I had a <laughs> moment to do some journalism and I completely choked. Oh. They were introducing all the celebrities that were playing in the golf event. It was at Detroit Country Club, beautiful club. And it's like, you know, Calvin Johnson nice. and it was Droit Bell. I don't know if you remember Droit Bell, yeah. one of the last fullbacks. I actually remember all these great like Detroit Midwestern legends, Alan Houston. So we had some Knicks love and they call me up and you go shake hands with Jalen Rose and Jalen being who he is and being super savvy, sees me, smiles, whispers in my ears like, hey. Scott Perry's here playing. We're about to introduce him next. And I walked away. I'm like, oh, so they introduced Scott Perry. I've met him like once or twice, comes out saying hello to everyone. And I shook hands with Scott Perry. And I'm looking, I'm like, this is my moment. I could ask him right now what's going on for real with Donovan Mitchell. 
And I looked him in the eyes mm-hmm. and I went, how you doing, Mr. Perry? Good to see you. And I put my head down. <laughs> I looked at my shoes and he kept it moving. I mean, he wasn't going to tell me anything anyway. I could have asked a hard question. Oh. <laughs> I failed you. Come on, we sent you out there. I mean, if you got per diem, I'd be really mad because then you'd be actually working. Yeah. You didn't get per diem from BetMGM, did you? No, I did not. Uh, BetMGM was a prominent sponsor there, mm. especially at the night before party, which oh, yeah. was really cool at the Top Golf Suite. But yeah, oh, I, cool. I failed journalistically. I failed you, and I feel bad. But uh, yeah, I couldn't sneak in any question. I just, I just didn't feel like it was appropriate, and I got, I, I got yeah. nervous. I choked. Well, I'll tell you what you do in that situation. You kind of you you chum me up, and then you ask. But then you make it sound like, you know, you're not going to do anything with this information. And then you get on the mic. And that's when you say an unnamed source in the front office told me that's what you do. (laughs) So you don't have to out him. You know, it was even so bad. Every time he like looked at his phone, (laughs) I was kind of I was sidling up. I I just wanted to be like, who's who's texting you? Is that that Danny Ainge? Is that Leon (laughs) Rowe? Who who just emailed you? What's going on? Is that Fournier? So yeah. failed you, but it was an all in all great event. Came in oh. third place on the golf. Oh, wow. It's hard to imagine that Calvin Johnson was a wide receiver. It's insane. He's like the, one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. Oh. I shook his hand and like, I think my hand like went up to like his, I think it went up to like my forearm, just huge dude. And yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone could have stopped him in the red zone. That would have been a good picture. Your hand side by side. That would have been a good picture. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going back up to Detroit next week for another golf tournament, which might cost me my marriage, and Calvin Johnson is slated to play, so maybe I'll do that picture next week. And ask him to come on the show. I'd love to have him on the show. Oh, that I already did. I did. So journalistically, I failed you, but podcast sidekick-wise, I definitely invited a lot of people on the podcast. There you go. There you go. Well, speaking of your New York fandom and Scott Perry and all that, but I always wonder this about people from New York. And first of all, as someone who grew up in the Midwest, New York to me is just like, I'm so confused with the boroughs. I'm so confused with all of the schools there. There's like a million, I don't want to say lower tier schools, but you know what I mean? Like division two, division three schools, but like your college football fandom probably doesn't run too deep. And we are coming up on week zero. The biggest game, of course, being Northwestern and Nebraska. They're playing in Ireland. I don't really understand that. That could have been my unleashed, but I want to still talk about Manti Teo. But college football, does it mean much to you? Do you care? I do care. Ironically, I definitely care from a sports gambling perspective. I think it's sure. it's probably even more enjoyable than maybe throwing a few bets than the NFL because it truly is madness. But I'm speaking to all the New York City kids. It is tough when it comes to college sports. Even with basketball, St. John's was sort of okay when I was coming up. But in the nineties, Rutgers wasn't quite good yet. Syracuse is like six hours away. I feel like I'm closer to Ohio state than Syracuse just yeah. distance wise. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I've always said my collegiate sports teams are up for grabs. I'm a free agent. I never took to USC or UCLA when I was in LA. So, uh, and obviously my in-laws are trying to get me to Ohio state and maybe that's what I just do. Cause I, I live here now, but it's really hard to really care about college sports outside of just being a sports fan. Cause I have no loyalty yeah. zero. And I didn't really I go to a big it. time college or any college. Yeah. You didn't go to any college. I did go to a community college for like a year. I was burned. Yeah. I, I moved to LA when I was 19. I was done. 19. Oh my gosh. Hey, okay. 
This actually lends itself exactly to my entourage question. You know, every week for those who are just tuning in, I am watching entourage for the first time and loving it. Absolutely loving it. And I think I'm watching with a little bit more interest because I have you to talk to every week and I can ask you all the behind the scenes stuff, which is a lot of fun. So my first question is now that I'm getting deeper and more invested in the show, did you audition? Did you know these guys before the show? I did not. I did not know any of them. I was wow. 23 years old. I was bouncing around from show to show. I, I met Kevin Dillon at one of the uh, early, uh, I auditioned like 25 times. Oh my I God. met him at one of the early auditions and I was a fan of his from, you know, Platoon and The Doors. Kevin Dillon's been acting since he was 17. Obviously his brother, Matt Dillon, tremendous actor. So no, I, I just, it was a the old process. It was the old way it was done. And it all leads up to this network test in front of HBO. And I kind of almost choked. It actually was Mark Wahlberg who snapped me out of it. I was, I did my first run of auditions in front of the network and that wasn't very good. And he came out and motioned for me. I'd never met Wahlberg at this point. And he whispered, he was like, I just want to let you know, you're kind of blowing it right now. And I'm like, I am? He's like, yeah. Like, you know that moment where everyone says, this is your time? This is your time. So it was it was the greatest wake up call and and luckily I ended up getting the part. No, I didn't know any of those guys. That's a great story. Oh my god! <laughs> did you ever tell him how much that meant to you? Oh yeah, I, I, and, and I, yeah. he claims he's like I did I did that. I'm like you know you did oh. that. Don't act like you <laughs> he did. Forgot. He's like no. He's like he just thought I was really nervous, so he said he didn't oh. want to see me lose out because I was just nervous. Oh and I was. my god. Oh, that's great. Okay, I have another question. When they're smoking weed on the show, are they actually smoking weed? Uh, I, I am the perfect person to answer this question because <laughs> it was my character who was always smoking or rolling the weed. That's true. You know, whenever there's a scene, not sometimes it's written in that we're smoking, sometimes it's not. But all actors, even if you're not, even if you don't have a lot of lines, you ask for like business, meaning like give me an activity while mm. I'm here so I'm not just standing here waiting for these guys to talk. Mm-hmm. My move was always, oh, I'm going to smoke a joint or light a jo- or roll a blunt or something. So no, you don't smoke real weed on the show because a lot of the times so those scenes are at like 730 in the morning and you have yeah. a whole 15 hour day ahead of you. There is this herbal tobacco, which is not oh. harmful. So they say it obviously does not get you stoned, but it looks green and it burns yeah. exactly like weed does. So herbal tobacco. Okay, that that's good to know. So anytime you see that. Most of the time. I mean, all of the time. Yeah, yeah most uh, of the time. Yeah, on the record. Okay, another question. Why is your character named Turtle? I don't think that's been told yet as far as Never I'm explained. In. What? Never explained. I used to always ask Doug Allen in the early years, my question was always, what's Turtle's real name? Yeah. And he always said, uh, well, we'll reveal it in season eight. I don't know yet. And probably thinking we never get to season eight. We did get to season eight. So his name, his real name does come out. I won't ruin it for you. Never explained why Turtle. But I did forget to tell Le'Veon Bell a story that's connected to Entourage and Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, as you will see, did a cameo in Entourage playing himself. And I met him and I walked up and very, very nice guy and shook his hand. And it is like a vice grip. It is the firmest handshake I've ever encountered in my life. We have crew members, big, burly teamsters and, and grips with these big meat hook for hands. He was breaking hands left and right. <laughs> I did want to warn Le'Veon Bell. Like, he, you know, obviously, we know he's strong. He's got hand. I mean, it, it was the oh. firmest handshake. It, it actually hurt. I had, to like, I had to like bite down, not to like whimper. 
So anyway. Bigger than Calvin Johnson's handshake? N- not bigger. Stronger. Stronger. Just, just, <laughs> just hurt. It just hurt. Oh my God. Okay. And my last question, you should see my notes here in my phone as I'm watching Entourage and keep in mind, I'm usually giving the baby a bottle and typing this out. Do they really smoke weed? Oh, exhausting. Okay. So that's my Entourage questions for the week. Next week, I'll have more for you because I've got my long flight to London and I'm going to download a bunch of episodes. I'm excited. All right. Okay. Let's get to our Unleashed because I've got to talk about this show. It's time to Unleash. You said you're what one episode in of the Manti Teo doc? Yeah, I'm like ten. I'm ten minutes into the episode two of the Netflix doc. Yeah. And what do you think so far? You know, it's funny. Obviously, we all know the story. I remember it very well, but it just shows you how much your perception and memory changes. Thirteen years later, or however, like I remember in the moment, it was this guy's in on it. What a fraud. I remember that being the story. Mm. I'm not saying that's what I believed, but I did remember not having sympathy, not or as much sympathy for him on that end of it. I did know his grandmother passing was obviously real and devastating, but watching that first episode, I just felt bad for the guy, you know? Yeah. And so here's the thing, the Deadspin article that broke it, and here's what the doc kind of left out. They implied initially that Manti was in on it and they kind of glazed over that in the documentary. There wasn't the best reporting. It was amazing reporting because they got the scoop when everyone else just accepted it. And as people in the media, it was a great check, a great lesson to be like, just don't assume everything is fact. In fact, I've heard one person say, I forget, it's a famous quote. They say, uh, even question your mother, assume your own mother will lie to you. And if you're a good reporter, and this everyone accepted it was the storyline of the season of course he was a Heisman finalist went to the national championship all this but Deadspin even had a quote in there that an unnamed source was 80% sure that Manti was in on it and that just that's just you can't do that you can't do it and a lot of people ran with that and then you can tell so the times you know this was 10 years ago on the Katie Couric special and she asked are you gay and, you know, he's laughing like, no, no, I'm I'm not, you know, definitely not. And he's sitting there with his parents and it's so awkward and it's so dated because I don't think that question would be asked now. No. And I'm sorry I laughed at that statement that you made. The reason why I'm laughing is an unnamed source said that they're 80 yeah. percent sure. I'm just reminded of Paul Rudd and Anchorman when he's like 60 percent of the time it works every yes. time. I'm like, gosh, that's such a <laughs> misleading thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely don't know if that question gets asked. <laughs> Definitely in the second episode uh, when they, they kind of pull the whole, right. where she pulled, you know, oh, like I'm still alive when his girlfriend was saying, no, I'm still alive. I'm on the run. That's where I'm like, you gotta, all right, what's going on uh, here? You gotta know now something's wait. badly wrong. So, yeah, I mean, it's just such a joke. And I think it's, it's really sad because no doubt about it. Manti Teo is a victim in this and anyone who thinks, oh, come on, you never met her, blah, blah. Keep in mind, this kid He's the oldest of seven kids from an island in a very tight-knit Latter-day Saints community where everything was church and football. They were very poor. He couldn't fly to California to go meet this girl. Stanford, because it's a private school, never had to release the records that a student of that name even went there. Because remember, he said she was from Stanford. Like all, All this stuff, I feel so badly for Manti Teo in this, and I think his career was drastically affected and I wish he could sue honestly, but I don't think they could prove 
that his draft stock tumbled so much because of this, but you certainly could look at his performance in the national championship game. And you're going to get this. I don't want to spoil too much, but just as you get to this part of the story is a lot happens right before this national championship game. And it just so clearly affects him on the field, which then so clearly affected his draft. It's just, it's horrible. And honestly, I think the documentary, because they wanted to get the other side of the catfisher, Renaya Tuiasasopo, who is now a transgender woman, they wanted to get her take. And, you know, I bet they promised kind of a quid pro quo. We'll, we'll tell your side of the story here and be fair. But just as I was watching it, I think they went a little easy on Renaya, now Naya, because I just think it's criminal what this person did to Manti Teo and, and his family. And he just fell so prey to this. And yeah, that's my take. I, I, I'm standing behind it. I, I felt so angry watching it. So I'm curious as you keep going, what you think? I just was, I, I do remember too, when he was thinking about coming out junior year in, to, in, to go in the NFL draft, watching the documentary. Now I was like, oh, if you would have just went pro after your junior year. I know. Year. Oh. His whole life yeah, would have been different. A lot and you know, he different. is married now with a kid yeah. and he, he made a couple stops in the NFL. I believe last year he didn't play anywhere. I think 20, oh, 2021, I think he was with the Chargers, but oh, it's just, I, I, I was so sick watching this that, you know, regardless of Renaya, now Naya's journey and, you know, all, all of that is fantastic. And I'm so glad that Manti has forgiveness in his heart. It just so it makes me so mad that he was such a victim and so many people made fun of him, ridiculed him, and that he lost millions because of what this person did to him and that he was too trusting and really just naive. He was just a naive, unworldly kid, to be honest. And, oh, it is such a good documentary, though. I was gripped. I'm finishing it tonight. Okay. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and get to our interview. Let's bring in Andrew Brandt. He's a former executive for the Green Bay Packers, a professor of law, writes for SI.com. Andrew Brandt, thanks so much for being here. Good to be with you guys. Enjoyed uh, our chat before we came on here. Yeah, we did. Yes, absolutely. We did the pod before the pod. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to tell you, for those who don't know, and Andrew was with the Green Bay Packers and my grandfather was there at the same time, Bob Harlan. And, you know, booking guests, Andrew, is way above my pay grade on this show. So I was really excited to see you coming on. And I told my grandfather you were coming on. And here's what he had to say. He said, you are highly, highly intelligent. And you did so much good in regards to cap space, especially with the Green Bay Packers. So much so that he always wanted you to speak at the annual shareholders meeting. He thought it was great for the fans to hear what you had to say. And he always invited you to speak to the quarterly board members meetings because he wanted to make sure that everyone heard from your mouth all the hard work you were doing, but he just had the best things to say about you. Oh, that's warm. That warms my heart, Olivia, because he's a, he's a mentor of mine. He uh, is someone that you come across so many people in your life and career that really leave an effect. And he's certainly one. There's a saying out there. I think it's by Mark Twain. It's not what you say. It's how you make people feel. And Bob Harlan, the president of the Packers, while I was there, really made people feel well. He made people feel good about their interactions with him, but about the team. And that is an underrated skill that he was so good at, Bob Harlan, just making people feel like 
That was a nice interaction. He represents the mm. team well. He's a sweetheart of a guy. And his wife, Madeline, I mean, they were just wonderful ambassadors for the team and still are. And they were so good to me and my family, Madeline to my wife. And it just really, it's so nice to hear that because I have similar feelings. So back at them. Oh, man. Oh, that's a good story. You know, so true as well. I mentioned earlier, you handled a lot of cap space and negotiations with players in front office, and you were kind of the go-between for a long time with the Packers. And I'm curious, as you look at a team like the Browns, who obviously Deshaun Watson was just served his 11-game suspension, $5 bucks, and the Browns have some cap space. And as I'm looking yeah. at it, and Jacoby Brissett is a capable quarterback and you know a well-liked guy on the team, and do they look at what they're investing already at the quarterback position, knowing that they still have about $40 million they have to pay Watson this year. They're still paying for the Baker Mayfield trade. Could you see them potentially bringing in someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's worth a lot of money and getting paid a lot of money this year, but to take advantage of a little cap space, bring him in, and have him be a placeholder for 11 games? Or is Jimmy G above that and probably wouldn't even be interested? I don't think that's going to happen. There's so much to unpack with what you asked, Olivia, because the Browns have become the story of the offseason with what they've done. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll start here. They gave the biggest contract, the best contract, player-wise, in the history of the sport to a guy that's now suspended for 11 games and accused of this pattern of behavior over 17 months where he's seeking sex in lieu of massage. That can resonate with people. I don't understand their cap management because they have and had the most cap space in the NFL, yet they continue to do contracts in a way that is pushing out cap. In other words, they do a big signing bonus, which is prorated throughout the life of the contract, small salary. So they keep their, their year one, year two cap numbers really low and they backload cap into the future. But to me, if you've got all this cap space, why not use it? Why not load it now so you can be flexible in the later term? And the I talked to someone high up in the organization, and they sort of gave me this explanation, and I'll share this with people. They think the cap's going to rise so much that the present value cap is better now than it's going to be later. And it was a long, detailed discussion. Because in my management of the cap for the Packers, I tried to match cash and cap as much as possible. So in other words, if I was going to give someone $20 million in year one cash, I would try to get the cap number as close to $20 million as possible because we had the cap room. We created that. It was hard work to do it. And the Browns are the opposite strategy. They're like, well, let's just keep loading up cap. Like, for what? Now, do I think it's for Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't. I don't. Because two things. Number one, they signed Brissett. And number two, this is not news that Deshaun Watson's going away. When they signed Deshaun Watson, they, there's no way in God's green earth they thought he'd be playing week one. Come on. This had been out there for a year in reporting about what he's done. So I'm just saying Jimmy Garoppolo has been on the market for six months. They're not just going to decide, oh, yeah, now we should get Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I just think they've gone with Brissett. They like Brissett. And there's no Garoppolo on the picture, on the horizon for the Browns. On the Garoppolo question, Olivia, I think this is a really tough one because 
he's scheduled to make $24 million, and the chance of him making $24 million is about the same as you or I making it from the 49ers. It's just not going to happen. So the question becomes, does he take a financial haircut and stay? Does he take a financial haircut to go somewhere else? Or do they just release him? And then he goes to zero and signs whatever he can as a third string quarterback somewhere. So I don't know why this guy has become unwanted the way he has. I understand there's an injury question with his shoulder, but this is one of the stories I just can't really figure out. Jimmy Garoppolo, as a Packer fan, I know what he's done to us, yet he has no market. He has no market. If he had a market, he'd be long gone by now. You know, you're talking about quarterbacks. We had a lot of quarterbacks jump into new situations this year. Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, we mentioned earlier. And, you know, Stafford did the same thing last year, won a Super Bowl. So of this kind of rotation of quarterbacks this year in the NFL, is there one that sticks out to you that maybe we could see another Super Bowl champion similar to Stafford with the Rams? Well, I'm going to show my bias and Olivia's bias here because I think the best quarterback situation is the fact Aaron Rodgers didn't leave the Packers. And I think they're going to be really good despite losing Adams. But I think everyone's going to point to Wilson because, you know, this is a team that has a ready-made defense and they're just bringing in that one aspect that they haven't had. So we'll see what happens there. I think the real story of the offseason is another position And that is wide receiver. I just mentioned Adams. This is the story to me because we see some positions continue to get devalued. And I'm looking at running back and I'm looking at tight end. And then we see the wide receiver position having extraordinary jump in value. For business nerds like me, I find that fascinating. Because what's happened is teams like the Packers and Chiefs had said, you know what, we're just not going there and Titans. We're just not going there. We're going to take cap space and we're going to take draft picks and we're going to go young and cheap at receiver. Yet you have teams like the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Eagles that are saying, we'll take that guy from you. We'll pay him 25 million a year, which is way beyond what the market was. The market was like 16, 18 a year. We'll pay him 25 million and we're going to bank on our receiver giving us extraordinary value, only second to the quarterback. And we're going to find out. Like, here it is. 2022 is going to tell us the value of receivers. We're going to see what Brown brings to the Eagles, Adams to the Raiders, Hill to the Dolphins, versus the teams they left with draft draft picks and cap space. And I think we're going to have a great evaluation. Do you pay that market for top receivers? Or do you go young and cheap and spend elsewhere? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the Devontae Adams signing set off a trickle effect that the whole league had to play catch up. And similar, bringing it back to Deshaun Watson a little bit, is that record deal of guaranteed money is now setting a precedent for someone else negotiating his own contract in that division, Lamar Jackson. And he's doing it with his mom (laughs) and no agent. Have you ever been in that position dealing with a player directly? And is that awkward representing the team in that instance? Yes. I'm glad you asked that because at the Packers, I'm an agent that came, I switched sides, right? So according to agents, I went to the dark side and I went to the Packers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But there are players, you know, 
I mean, there are a lot of names, but like a Donald Driver, Mark Tauscher, mm-hmm. they would they would come to me and say, "Yeah, Andrew, Andrew you're cool. <laughs> you know, you're a former agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do it. You know, let's have it." And I'm like, "Yeah, this will be fun. This will be cool." I'll tell you, Olivia, it was a bad experience. Mm. I had a lot of problems with it that I still to this day shake my head because negotiations are raw. You know, negotiations are personal. I'm telling a person who I'm friends with, they are not as valuable as they think they are. They don't mean as much to the team as the other players they're naming do to their teams. So players are very simple. They're like, hey, Detroit or Dallas or Denver or Philadelphia or Miami, they paid this guy X. I'm better than X. Pay me more than X. And I would say, you know, it's not that simple. And we're paying Brett 20 million. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, he's one year from free agency. You're two years from free. They're like, they don't want to hear it. And I lost relationships. I lost friendships because they're always looking at me like, Hey, why didn't he want to pay me? You know? And then I got some deals and they were not great deals for the kid, for the players going forward because the market would pass them by. So long-winded answer your question is it's tough. It's tough on the Ravens. I know it's tough. I've been there and you're dealing with human emotion. And my saying is when someone says it's not personal, it's business BS. It's always personal. Now on Lamar specifically, you mentioned the Watson deal. I am just in sort of my world, it's really important to see what impact the Watson deal has because there've been two deals since. Now you can say they're not the level of Watson or Jackson, but Derek Carr and Kyler Murray. Now in both of those deals, there's really good cash flow, about a hundred million over three years, but there's no bells and whistles, right? There's no full guarantees. There's no suspension. Uh, forfeiture protection, like in the Watson deal. So I'm really interested to see if Lamar Jackson can get the full guarantee. We know he's going to get a ton of money, but can he get the security that Watson got? Because if I'm Steve Bashotti, I'm going to say, well, Murray didn't get it. Uh, Derek Carr didn't get it. And, you know, Watson was an outlier because the Falcons want him and the Saints want him. And if I'm Jackson and his mother... I'm like, that doesn't matter. This is the market. I've been better than Deshaun Watson. I've been healthier than Deshaun Watson. I don't have the baggage of every, you know, what everyone's talking about, about Deshaun Watson. So this one's shaping up and we'll have a, you know, deadline spur action. We'll know in in two weeks. You know, something that's always puzzled me and you're obviously the perfect person to ask this to, uh, the Rams, we were talking about Stafford and their Super Bowl, and it's just blue chip talent after blue chip talent, almost to the point where you look at all these players and you say to yourself, even as a casual fan or a super fan, how on earth are they making the economics work along with all the draft picks that they're losing? Like, I really have a hard time even following. Now, you know, they get Allen Robinson, which is just when you think they're done, they reload at wide receiver, which I didn't think is possible. Is this just them being super aggressive is going all in, or is there really a, a rhythm to this that makes this possible? Yeah. A little cap one-on-one for you, Jerry. I'm going to ask, Thank you. I'm going to quiz you. Okay. Ready? So <laughs> Matthew Stafford got this deal, which is I'm shaking my head at this, this, this restructure this off season. He got a $60 million bonus, six Oh, 60 million. So his salary is only a million dollars. This is sort of the, what we talk about with Watson. 
So here's the quiz. What is the cash that Stafford is getting this year? Is it $1 million? Like on the books, you mean? Or How much cash is he getting in 2022? 61. 61. Very good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now here's the second question. Five-year deal, 60 million bonus, 1 million salary. What's the cap number? It's a million, isn't it? For 2022. How much? Is it 1 million? No. What's 60 divided by five? Oh, 60 divided by five. Oh gosh. I got, you got me doing math. Oh my Lord. Uh, 12? 12 plus one. 13 million a year. 13. <laughs> I hate okay. this. I, you see me jump in on the plus one. <laughs> That's right. I did my big math. But. Oh, so here it is. So cash for Stafford is 61. Cap for Stafford is 13. 48 million cash over cap. Cash over cap is what people in the NFL talk about a lot. What's the cash over cap? So what is happening here is Stan Kroenke is paying Stafford $61 million on a cap number of $13 million. So there's a quick answer of how they do it. They have a truly a billionaire owner that's able to use this cash over cap, I guess, loophole in ways that some owners can't do it. And they're going to pay the piper on Matthew Stafford's contract at some point. But while they're in this window of, as you say, acquiring all this top talent, they're using this, again, loophole is too strong a word. They're using this mechanism where they can load in these talented players with high bonus, low salary. Now, again, if you're the Browns, I don't know why you're doing it because you've got a ton of sal- a ton of cap room. But this is how the Rams keep doing this year after year. And Allen Robinson actually is a friend. So we talked before we signed with the, the Rams and they got him, you know, like I said, the market's gone to 25 for receiver, got him for 15. So they are one of these teams able to get players for a little less. They got it with Beckham last year too. Allen Robinson is one of my favorite wide receivers and I'm not trying to hate on any of his previous quarterbacks. I just, even in the fantasy football space, I used to always just, why can't the, look at the numbers he's putting up, get, just get him, get him a top quarterback. And I really do think he's a top three receiver. Anyway, I love Allen Robinson. Great thing about Allen, Jerry, is that like you were just asking me, he asked me that stuff too. And he's a real student of the business of sports. And that's how I got to know him. So you don't find many players that really are interested in this stuff. And you know, one day he'll be an agent or be a team executive. He's really great at that. So, Andrew, can you explain to people who don't understand the structure of the Packers as the one outlier in the NFL with no owner? And as you talk about uh, resources that the Packers have, and of course, like I'm looking, (laughs) I've got my stock hanging in my office right here. Of course, this piece of paper, that means nothing, but that means a lot to fans. And just how ultimately that has come to be and how that helps revenue with the Green Bay Packers. It's funny you mentioned the stock and I bought some for my sons, but (laughs) you know this, right? Everyone you ask who's not a Packer fan calls that a worthless piece of paper, right? (laughs) You can't trade it. You can't sell it. Everyone who's a Packer fan says, you know, that's my most valuable possession. (laughs) There's this wide range. (laughs) Yeah. But listen, we have what were called in my day, and your grandfather's day was the preservation fund, I believe we called it, mm-hmm. you know, where we just, we'd accumulate this profit and revenue and we just put it in a fund to be used for paying players, putting it back into the team. 
you know, we had no owner that's siphoning off money to use for a yacht, to use for other businesses, to use for his family's private jet, whatever it may be. Now, if you ask me, overall, I was happier without an owner, but there are things I missed. You know, when we went to owners' meetings, they would sort of tap Bob and me on the head and like, yeah, good little Green Bay. You guys do, <laughs> you guys are great. Yeah. You know, you got Brett Favre, whatever. You're the only non-billionaires there. <laughs> yeah. I never felt like we were at the same kind of respect level hmm. that Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft or Jeffrey Lurie, you know, it was just kind of this, oh, good old Green Bay. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, you know, you sometimes wonder with a billionaire owner, if you could, you know, the league has a lot of politics. So sometimes you need something maybe little and a billionaire owner would make a call and sort of get things done. And I I do miss some of that. But then I talk to colleagues around the league and they're say they're dealing with a negotiation that lasts for months. One day the owner gets impatient, walks in their office, says, Hey, get this deal done today. And then it's just terrible to try to negotiate a contract. So Yes and no, there are a lot of uh, advantages, but what you see going on in Green Bay now is they've developed some land around their title town. They're oh, using incredible. that preservation fund to really expand real estate and to expand areas and entertainment district that they've never done before. And it's all good, you know, and you see the financials every year. It's extraordinary. The Packers are the representation of what the NFL owners are making. They've got these media deals yet to kick in. They've got a team-friendly CBA with the players and, of course, the franchise values. So it's a great time to, to be working in the NFL right now. Oh, sure. And if I can piggyback on that, too, with what your impression of the Rodgers renegotiated contract is and how it is going to affect what the team has been able to do this offseason and what they're able to do moving forward. And just to make sure I get this all right, as people are listening, it the original deal was supposed to run through the 2023 season. Packers and Rodgers renegotiated, so it would end. It would be void after 2022. And let's see, fully guaranteed $59.5 million next season, 49 and a half ish not guaranteed in 2024. So that doesn't leave much room to go get some shiny new toys for him, huh? I have a different view of Aaron's contract, but I want to say this first. Two years ago, when there was the noise about Aaron not coming back, I said, no way in hell he's going anywhere. He's there. You know, he, Packers weren't doing anything then. Last year, I I was right. Last year, I was completely wrong. (laughs) I thought that it would be the end of Aaron in Green Bay. And of course, he came back. I guess I'm going to say, I still believe, um, this may be the swan song for Aaron because, mm-hmm. you know, I was there for three years of Aaron as an apprentice and we had him in the bullpen three years and then we brought him out. I think that's probably what they're thinking for Jordan Love. Now, Aaron signs his three-year deal. And as you said, Olivia, there's this weird part of it where it kicks in next year to 59 and a half million. But the, the fine print is that's an option. So the Packers have to exercise the option to kick in the 59. So the way I look at it, it's a 42 million one-year deal in 2020, 2022, and then we'll see about next year. I think with Aaron Rodgers, I, listen, I'm a big fan. I know people think he's weird. I'm, I got a lot of Zen in my life, just like Aaron. You know, I've done ayahuasca back in the day. <laughs> so, ah. um, but I think it's 
for anyone to look at either the Packers going to Aaron or Aaron going back to the Packers as more than a year right now, I think that's hard to say. You know, the guy is year to year, I think. And I think the Packers have their waiting quarterback. Now it's going to be three years. And what symmetry if it if it ends up being three years for Jordan as it was for Aaron? So well, let's revisit it later, but I'm looking at it a one-year deal. Gary, have you done ayahuasca? I have not, but I'm also a big Aaron okay. Rodgers fan. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yes, I will definitely try it. Yeah, I, I'm with It would be really sad if he does go because that's just hard to, first of all, it's hard to see him in any other uniform. I don't know if he's like, yeah. retiring anytime soon. I don't know if there'll be another uniform. Right. Yeah, um, part of me like wishes it wouldn't be because I don't want to see that, but I also don't want him, the player, to go because I just enjoy watching him so much. So I could see like, it must be so hard to keep emotions out. Like you said, the, the business and not personal thing is really sticking with me that you said. There's got to be some negotiations from your past that you still think about, I imagine, like, or could have maybe, oh, if I would have just done this or if they would have just done that. There, there are, you don't have to say which, but there, I'm sure there are a few that stuck with you in your time, right? Well, those three years with both of the guys was, I don't know, it was challenging. And I, I think I'm a better person from it because we draft Aaron and that whole story I've told before, but no one liked it. You know, everyone hated it and Brett hated it and the fans hated it, and the media hated it, and what are we doing? And they went through it again two years ago with love. But every week or month, I'm dealing with Brett's side, which is, hey, Andrew, you know what it's like coming in every week, every day and sitting with your replacement? That sucks. It's no life. And then I'm hearing from Aaron's camp, not him directly, but like, Andrew, are you ever going to trade him? Like, he's never going to play there. Like, what are you doing to him? Brett's never going to retire. Like, what are you doing? Get rid of him. And, and so I'm just trying to be polite and tactful and professional with both camps because we didn't know. You know, we didn't. There's no plan like, oh, in 2020 or whatever it was, we're going to play Aaron. It's so it just got to a point where it became clear that Aaron was ready. And Brett would stay in the offseason down in Mississippi those years. And it was Aaron's team. And we're, we're like having guys like Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and Javon Walker come up to us and say, James Jones, like, oh my God, like, like this kid. Oh my God. Good. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like, yeah. I mean, Brett's great, but oh my God, I've never seen an arm like this kid. And so it was clear we were ready. And then Brett retired. Right. But then he wanted to re- unretire. And that was messy. And one thing about Aaron, even at a very young age, he had an extraordinary ability to block out that noise. I mean, it was the number one story in sports, not football, sports for a month. And this kid's walking out to practice every day. And for a few of those practices, Brett's there. You know, Brett. Brett's back with his helmet. And I'm like, oh my God, what do we, and you know, the thing is that what I tell young people all the time about who want to work in teams or cap or agents, I'm like, listen, the numbers are the numbers. What you're dealing with is people. It's all people, right? Can you communicate? Can you deal with conflict? 
And and when people when I talk to young people and they're telling me, well, I studied this cap, and I said, I'm like, screw that. Like, can you deal with conflict? Can you resolve conflict? And when you work for a team or you're an agent, you're dealing with a lot of conflict. People don't know what kind of things bubble up in a locker room of 80 players. And can you deal with that? I brought in players for interventions. I brought in players that couldn't get along with coaches. I brought in coaches versus coaches. So these are the kind of things that, you know, when young people say they want to get into sports, I'm like, be a people person. Like, Study psychology. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of that. Yeah, not, not just 80 people, 80 millionaires <laughs> sitting with their own entourages telling them they're the best things in sliced bread. So yeah, <laughs> you got your work cut out for you. Andrew, you have so many great stories. We got to get you back on here. Yeah, happy to do it. Happy to do it, guys. Well, thank you so much. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Check out his website, andrew-brandt.com. And there you can get his Sunday 7 newsletter. You're going to want to see that and listen to his podcast called The Business of Sports. Andrew, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. See you soon. about our next guest. His training camp consists of studying the lines and running parlays. Bet MGM gambling guru, Peter Andrew, welcome back. Even though it's our first show together, welcome back to Unleashed, yeah. buddy. Woo. It's great to be back. Sorry, Liv, I decided to wear my Niners gear. I know. But, uh, it just I had to, really had to throw a little, little shade at you. That's all. <laughs> I hate it. I like it. I'll start wearing jerseys too. Lord knows I got some. Uh, but before we get to football, Peter, I just want really, really quick. Leon Edwards, how much did your phone blow up on Saturday night? It's crazy. So I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's not like another upset in the world where, you know, Peña Nunez, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, where it was a huge upset from the get-go. This was after four rounds. I think Usman was minus 1,400, completely dominating. And then all of a sudden, Leon Edwards, side of the head, lights out. It was actually a bad result for us. So typically what you see is, those big favorites losing are great results for the book. It was actually a bit of the opposite. So the parlays was great, but the singles, everybody was back in Edwards. So we love to see it. We love to see betters come in and take us for a little bit, but what an amazing fight. And I think it's setting up a trilogy here, right? So looking at number three coming soon, I'm sure. I like it. I like it. Okay. We want to get to NFL futures specifically this week. We want to focus on NFL awards for individuals. So it might be, be a good time to find some great odds on these before the regular season starts. You know, it's as we first look at MVP, I already saw at BetMGM the highest ticket and handle is Russell Wilson. Uh, what do you think? He's the favorite here, huh? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of bias from our, our friends in Colorado, one of our bigger states, obviously the movement there. Uh, I personally love Justin Herbert. What that team has done, that offense is absolutely loaded. I think right now he's at plus 850. I think you look at Eckler, all of his wide receiver mm -hmm. weapons, the team, the defense looks really good this year. I know that doesn't really affect him, but I think they are going to be a real force. I know you guys talked about it last week. A little bit, uh, I think, split in terms of what you like in the AFC West, but really, really do think Chargers not only have Herbert come out MVP, but they actually come out of the AFC 
and then to the Super Bowl. I like that a plus eight fifty. Yeah, and when I said Wilson was a favorite, he's not the favorite at BetMGM. He's plus fourteen hundred yeah. to win MVP, but fans certainly love him. Those in Colorado certainly love him. Josh Allen at plus seven hundred. Why did you not say Allen? Just a little bit too chalky. You got to okay. put a little bit of value <laughs> yeah. on top of it, and I think Herbert across lots of quarterback stats was top three in everything yards touchdowns I mean really efficient year the sophomore slump was no slump for him at all so I think he comes out absolutely fire in year three I think the team around him is really good I think you know it's a tough division and there's going to be some really tough games to be played but I think he's going to come out looking really good especially start of the year yeah I'm looking at all them I mean I god you just look at not getting sucked into the Jonathan Taylor at plus 6,000 is going to be my biggest issue because I just look at that. It's going to happen mm. one of these days. It's going to be a non-quarterback. Right? It's yeah. going to happen in my lifetime. It's going to. Don't think it's quite the year, though. The only way it happens is if Jonathan Taylor does what he did last year and replicates that. And, you know, then you have to have the conversation. But, I mean, you know this. Every year it's MVP is a quarterback award. OPOY is the wide receiver or running back or tight end award. But you're right. It's got to happen at some point. Why not this year? All right, Peter, I'm going to jump real quick because I'm trying not to let my fandom get involved here. It's the worst mistake you can make sometimes with sports betting. Coach of the year. And we talked, Olivia and I talked a lot about my New York Giants last year. Brian Dable, he's plus 14. He's tied for the favorite for coach of the year. What's your feelings on coach of the year? Because if you could do that, then you got to go Giants over wins. I'm just saying. But I'd rather hear from you. For what it's worth, I love Giants over wins. I think Saquon has a really good mm. bounce back, healthy year. Dabble, amazing. I'm a Ranger fan. He was at every Ranger playoff game. was unbelievable. But there's <laughs> a theory here. doesn't mean anything, Pete. <laughs> but uh, you got to make the playoffs to be coach of the year. That's what it comes down to. You have right. to have a winning record. Yeah. You got to be a playoff team. I think people are going to look at Dan Campbell and say, oh, my God, hard knocks. Run through the wall for this guy. If if they end up going four and thirteen, it means nothing. And even you know, even dabble if they go eight and nine, that's probably not going to cut it. But for me, it's two clear options. It's Kevin O'Connell on the Vikings. I think they have a really really good team. I know you guys talked about it last week. They're they're probably the team in the North that looks the most complete. They have a monster in Justin Jefferson. They are going to have a good year. And then it's John Harbaugh. So. You got a team that's potentially going from last place last year, ton of injuries, ton of problems, and they're the favorite now to win their division. You got to think anybody who bounces from fourth to first and ends up cleaning up the division, they got to get a look for coach of the year. I think you just actually gave us a parlay. Dabble coach of the year, Saquon comeback player of the year at plus, what is he, plus 1,600, and then Giants over wins. That's the connective tissue. Oh, those three things will happen. <laughs> just a big Giants parlay. <laughs> Sorry, Olivia. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Mortal lock for me is I think Saquon is at over 900 and something yards right now. I would absolutely hammer that over. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, but uh, I really, really like that. I mean, he is their offense. Might not be Daniel Jones, but he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to be back to his normal self. Hopefully he stays healthy. Looking at defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett in Cleveland is tied with TJ Watt for the favorite at plus 700. And Micah Parsons, though, is the highest ticket, highest handle, uh, biggest liability over at BetMGM. But Miles Garrett intrigues me because they play the Panthers September 11th. And that is when he will face off against his former quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who left Cleveland, obviously not on the best of terms. 
And there have been a lot of people to come out of that locker room with sore feelings about Baker Mayfield. And Miles Garrett just said he would love to get a couple sacks on Baker Mayfield September 11th against the Panthers. Kicking off the season in that kind of fashion and with this kind of urgency, do you like how Miles Garrett's season could start and potentially play out as he goes up some pretty good QBs in his own division? Yeah, if given that, exactly that, you have to put a little bit of a flyer, or not really a flyer, he's the favorite, but put something on him. Because if he comes out and sacks him four times, does something ridiculous, that number is going to dramatically change in week two. And he might not have that same level of effort for the rest of the season, but if he comes out firing... (laughs) You gotta you gotta put something on on Miles Garrett. I'm going. I'll go a homer pick with a niner, but also you said him earlier. You know, I'll start with Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. He's nine to one right now. He plays every position. Last year, he literally played D back, corner, nickel. Yeah. He played on the line. He played obviously as a linebacker. He does everything. He probably has the most opportunity to go and show off with forced fumbles, interceptions, sacks. I mean, he's going to be all over the field. I think that's a very very logical pick. But my homer pick, Nick Bosa and how complete that defense is this year, especially their front seven, he's actually going to get a lot of one-on-ones, which is scary to think. And at 14-1, to that's a great price for a guy who's probably going to get another 15.5-plus sacks. It's always a wild card, especially for a lot of these defensive players always getting hurt. But Micah Parsons, you know he's going to be there on the field. He's going to ball out, and and Bosa does it every year. Obviously, he tore his ACL the one year, but he has been nothing but productive in the other two seasons that he's played for the Niners. So I think it's a pretty, pretty good price. I think it's a little bit of a misprice, but 14 to one hundred bucks when you're 1400 bucks, not too bad. So you mentioned Homer pick and you said you listened to the show last week, which we do appreciate how appalled were you by my rant of the Seattle Seahawks for your lottery ticket to win the NFC West being that you're wearing a George Kittle Jersey right now. How appalled by you. Remember I said lottery ticket did not say sure thing. So I was, I, this is one of those things I'll never forget now. I was driving to the PGA Tour Superstore, almost crashed the car when I heard you say, take them to win. I unsubscribed the podcast and I realized I worked for that oh. MDM, so I resubscribed. But no, I, uh, I like where the thought is. I think you have to take Ten a flyer like that every whatever. year. They always talk about there's always one team that goes from fourth to first and makes the playoffs. Why not Seattle? Probably Drew Locke. Maybe that's why. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you're right in a sense. First of all, they're over in in wins, spot on. They're going to play a lot of crappy teams. They're probably going to steal one from either the Rams or the Niners or the Cardinals. That's going to put them right there, four or five wins, and then they're going to squeak out one or two. But uh, yeah, I think there's a better chance of me making the NFL this year than Seattle winning their division. So uh. look, I know I'm way out <laughs> on the limb. I told I told Olivia this too. If the whatever the odds are that this happens, everyone better run and hide from me because you guys will never hear the end of that call. So, but luckily, I think you guys are safe. Uh, okay, awards wise, because there's so many though, anything we could just kind of narrow it down here. We went over the big ones. Is there anything else that sticks out to you award wise that you want to maybe just tell the listeners to just put a pin in for now as the odds are kind of all over the place? Offensive player of the year, maybe. Yeah, OPOY, there's one player that sticks out to me, Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to have yeah. another monster year. I think he's still something like 20 to 1, something crazy. Again, the that is very much a skilled player award outside of quarterback. I think he has every opportunity to be probably best wide receiver in the NFL, certainly in the top three already. That one sticks out to me. And then one that's a little bit weird is comeback player of the year. I think... 
traditionally that's another quarterback heavy award. Right. But you yeah. have Trubisky, who might not be starting by week five or six. It might be Kenny Pickett by that point. You have Baker, who is probably he is week one starter officially. Jameis. Yeah, Jameis is another actually great example of Michael Thomas. But point I was gonna make is you got Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, J.K. Dobbins, Chase Young, who's not coming back for week one, but will be back sooner than later. Those are a lot of guys that are huge, huge impact players going to make a difference on their team. For me, it's kind of chalk with McCaffrey. If he comes back healthy and you know what he can do, obviously catching the ball out of the backfield and rushing for 25 times, that's the no-brainer. But those things can fluctuate so much based off performance and who gets re-injured and whatnot. Did they say when Chase Young is has that been announced officially when he's back yet? They didn't really. Yeah, I think they've just said he's pretty doubtful for week one. I'd say they slowly getting back, probably three or four, but. That's why his DPOI is so high, right? Because right now, I think Ben MJ yeah. has a plus 4,000. That might be another. So even we'll do a little very, very small Seahawks, NFC West, Chase Young, defensive player of the year. It's a couple of little dollars. I'm just sad. I, I like action, Peter. I like I like long odds. Hey, if you want mortal locks, listen, if you want lottery tickets, you go to Jerry. If you want mortal locks, bet the Ravens preseason going for 23 in a row. This <laughs> yeah. weekend. So we'll give you a little bit of both every week. We'll try to give you a little balance to make some money or shoot for the stars too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Last time Ravens lost a preseason game, I believe Lamar Jackson was going to be a freshman at Louisville. So a lot of fun there with that. Yeah. And then I almost lost my preseason mind watching Thibodeau get that awful cheap shot for the John. So this is yeah. why I love preseason. It's fun. We all get hype, but that, that, is, that and the Zach Wilson and I'm no jets fan. Those two things just make Horrible. me say, just start the season already. Just start it. Yeah. Start the yeah. season. Get the third string guys in. That's it. Don't put any starters in. Not worth it. I got all so right. scared. So scared. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun talking to you uh, throughout the season, Pete, because we can build some parlays. We can have running bets between the three of us. There's a lot of options here. So thanks so much for joining us and looking forward to catching up once the season begins. Yeah, going to have some fun this year. Thanks, guys. All right, we're going to have a lot of fun with Peter this year now that I know I control him so much about his Niners. Yeah, I told you you'd like him. I love them. That's three episodes down, and we haven't even begun yeah. to really talk about basketball yet. This is going to be so fun. I'm trying to broker all my energy out evenly. It's going to get intense, though. Oh, I'm excited. And this week, I'm flying to London, and you told me you've got a good London story, but you're going to save it for when I've got boots on the ground, so I'm excited to hear that next week. Yeah, quick tease. Uh, almost didn't marry my wife because of what happened in London. It's not no. as dramatic as it sounds, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> next week and a whole lot more. Three episodes in. I st I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. Olivia, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, guys, subscribe. Do all that good stuff. We'll be back next week. See ya. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 